3: Welcome to Magnifico Radio, the weekly podcast featuring conversations in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. I'm your host, Kate Black, and if you're listening live on the Heritage Radio Network, that means it's Monday at 1 o'clock here in Brooklyn. So welcome. Each week I sit down with designers, makers, and leaders in sustainability to discuss their paths and motivation. This podcast is an extension of my blog, Magnifico.com, and that's Magnifeco.com, and my book also called Magnifico, Your Head-to-Toe Guide to Ethical Fashion and Non-Toxic Beauty. Today's guest launched her New York fashion line in 2000. Following her graduation from Parsons School of Design, she's self-funded, rare in this industry, and employs nearly 30 people. In addition to running and growing a sustainable business for a decade and a half, and by sustainable I mean it in the basic and financial sense, staying in business and paying both her employees and suppliers, in 2015 she did what most of us are afraid to do. She dove into the deep end and learned about the darker side of the environmental and social aspects of the fashion industry and decided to change. The Mara Hoffman line now puts sustainability center stage to make changes from manufacturing to design in order to reduce impact. Generate awareness and rally her customers to make responsible decisions. Welcome, Mara. Hi! What a nice intro. Thank you for having me here. (laughs) Thank you for coming. So many times when I meet people who know of or have heard of my book, they'll say to me, "I'm afraid to read it. I I just don't want to know." What made you want (laughs) to know? What, What was what instigated the shift in 2015?
4: Honestly, I feel that just by being within my industry, leading up to that point, it was impossible not to receive the information. You really have to be like asleep or under a rock to not get some idea of the harms and kind of the level of, of damage that we do as a whole within the fashion industry. And I have um, uh, one particular close friend who had started her company um, under that uh, ethos, my good friend is a jewelry designer pamela love and and she had started her company from with this um in the forefront from the beginning, and I always admired that and thought, oh my god i like it would be impossible to turn my ship at this point because at that point, I was fifteen years into this, and it spent every day like just trying to make a company survive. And as you mentioned, I'm independently run, but not coming from huge like family backing on any level. It was a a true labor of love and splitting pennies and being scrappy dogs (laughs) through this entire um, venture. And so the idea of taking on this challenge of shifting everything I knew just felt way too big and also um, until that point. But at that point, it it became louder than it ever had. I think it was just like my turning point on on a conscience level and the idea that I started to examine really like what is my role? What is my job? What is my contribution on a On a human level, like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Big question stuff. Um, At that point, my son was three. And I think that that's a game changer when you have a kid and you're thinking it's not just like my uh, growth and my legacy, but I have this person that um, will be left with everything that I do. And what does that mean? And what am I really leaving, even on a physical level, like for his generation? And so that
3: became um, the, the impetus of change or die. That's amazing. And so w- can you talk about like, how it all started? Because I know that your team is really phenomenal and has brought a lot of innovation to the brand and to the line. So what was the first, what was the first thing where you're like, okay, I think we can do that? That, that seems like an easy shift.
4: Um, definitely. So at that same moment of, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? I, I went to my, um, my director of production Dana Davis, who's a phenomenal person in my life, and yes, sitting here with us, yes. <laughs> um, and at the time, neither of us really knew much about this. Um, but I went to her, and she was happened to be on maternity leave. And I sat on her couch, and I'm not a, a real crier. I mean, I do, of course, but I'm not like easily pushed to emotional states around the business. I keep it pretty cool. And I sat on her couch, and I just I started to cry, and I said, "What do we do?" Like what oh my gosh we change everything or we can't do this and her, um dana being a very pragmatic and capricornian human being said thought for a minute and in a non-emotional and very rational way said well let's try this let's let's try because wh- why would we shut down like let's try and so she really dove in and started to see like where would be the the first things that we could change and um I have a, a swimwear business that is around fifty percent of my business. It, you know, ebbs and flows depending on the year, and we started there. And we could start with our fabrication shifts and our printing. Are um, our, are our, the way that we were going about our printing? We're very print based, and so that was really the first shift on a company wide was um, shifting our spandexes over to. Uh, recycled polyester and recycled nylons—a uh, a portion of it, because the spandex is not. So we were able to do that, and then shift our printing to digital as opposed to the wet printing. And that, for the most, the biggest reason was really to like shift our wastage and um, and be able to just use less fabric and have less fabric end up on the cutting room floors because our prints are engineered, so they aren't just all over where you could really like cram pattern pieces into one layout. They're really placed very specifically, and that's sort of what identifies the prints of our, our suits and a lot of our ready-to-wear as well. So by reducing our our waste and shifting our fabrication and also um, being able to do our printing domestically was a big first shift for us. And I think that it gave us that bit of confidence, like, whoa, we just made a huge shift on a portion of the business, and it gave us that, like, bit of confidence to think, like, where else can we dive into now? Like, where do we go from here? And um, myself, I'm, I'm an Aries. I have to let everyone know. So an incredibly impatient human being said, okay, wait, wh- how do we get quicker? How do we do this faster? What more, more, more? Um, and so we started to look into where we could make our shifts in ready-to-wear, uh, which wasn't the, as easy as it was to like flip a switch, like it was in swimwear.
3: No, but it's but all change takes time totally. and it's a process. And and so now that you're in, you're fully in. Like yes. you, you've made fully. a pledge that you're going to be more more percentage of sustainability each and every season. Absolutely. So so now this is and and, and is it exciting? Is has it gone from like the tears on on Dana's couch 100%. to like really motivating and driving the line in in and business in a new direction? Absolutely. Big time, um, I think that it gave this new level
4: of purpose to what we 're actually doing and why we're continuing to show up in this industry. I can speak for myself, like otherwise, I think without this shift i I wouldn't have been able to show up really like it wouldn't give me that drive to just know that like I'm just part of this flawed system, and I think that the systems are still flawed, but at least. I, I like to think that we're creating somewhat of an alternative within a category within our the contemporary world, um, that contemporary clothing world that we could offer an alternative, and just within that, it starts to make a shift, and it gives me this level of. <gasps> Of excitement, absolutely, of of wanting to show up and wanting to do better each season. And I can speak for my team with that, that, that we're very ambitious on that level. Like, we like to set goals. We like to look and, like, figure out how we can be better. We're really you know, feisty fighters in that way.
3: Well, and it's one of the only industries where the entrepreneurs and the center people in this industry have guilt. Like I've sat here with countless designers who talk about designer guilt. Mm -hmm. And so I, so what's the, what's been the impetus or what's been the biggest change that's kind of helped soothe that a little bit?
4: Finding the resources, I would say, and that it's like, there's a community that you enter when you decide to go in this direction that's a really loving one and it's a very supportive one that feels very different than like what you knew or what i knew of the industry before and that was one that felt very like proprietary in all of its information like people don't want to share factory information they don't want to share resources and then making this shift into this direction you have um You have a community that is there to lend a hand and say, take my information because we're in this together. Like I if I'm going to do this, I need you to do it, too, because if it's just about me doing it, then like I'm really not in it for the right reasons. Like if I want to make this happen, I need to also want for everyone else to do this
3: well it 's true, and actually Dana has been um, at several eco sessions where we 've stood up and talked about the poly bags because you 're you know with the swim, sw- with the swimwear line she found this great source for biodegradable poly bags and if you all if and by all I mean the entire industry across North America does biodegradable poly bags, and the price will drop down, and then everybody then it it 's not even a choice it'll just be de facto solution yeah those bags were so exciting You <laughs> can
4: speak as a team like and it took a while and it's one of those really interesting challenges within our industry that you don't think about is the packaging the poly bags and we're still working on expanding that because as of now we're working it for it in our swim um but yeah like if we could all shift that it would be huge
3: yeah, because I think maybe for listeners at home don't understand that everything shipped from factory comes in bags. Plastic bags that usually end up in the garbage. Yeah, and, and most department stores or a lot of people that you wholesale to expect them to come individually wrapped in these bags so yeah. so this is Tons kind of, of a waste. secret waste issue in the fashion industry that needs to be addressed and so dana um your d- head of production was one of the first people i knew who was like really championing mm-hmm. that which i thought was really She's amazing. now the head of sustainability as well <sighs> so uh, we're all evolving through this so tell me what was the response what's the response been like from wholesalers mm-hmm. from your clients from your staff mm-hmm. Well, it's been an interesting one because I think when you
4: we will we'll start internally um, within the company and for the most part, um, the people that are part of the team were really like evolved and, and conscious people that said, OK, wow, like I'm not sure how you're going to do this, but OK, I'm with you. Um, there were a few that didn't believe in it, and they are not here anymore that there was like a graceful uh, transitioning of the the right people exiting and the right people entering and I think that there's something that happens I feel really lucky on that level that that's sort of always been like one of my parts of charm, I think in this existence that the right people come and the right people go um, so as far as the company at this point, like everybody is hell yeah on it um, and then as far as putting it out into the world um, with the first conversation about it on a wholesale level to our buyers we were also entering a shift in aesthetic so it went beyond um, just saying okay we're making uh, environmental and socio and environmental choices here to be less harmful and um It went more than that, so the collection itself actually started to shift through this over the past, really the on the design process for what it would look like over the past year and so spring seventeen, which is now in stores, really marks that aesthetic change and it was just an evolution and an elevation as far as where I am as a creative director, where I am as a designer, where I am as a human being what I I'm connected to on an aesthetic level and connecting what we were putting out there to reflect more um, in a sincere way to what inspires me. So um, it wasn't just about speaking to our buyers about these, these shifts. It was also saying we're also changing our look. So it was, it's been an interesting um, time since Showing that in September, we started with Resort, uh, with Resort 17, with a tiny ready-to-wear collection. And then the swimwear collection felt more as it always has uh, with the sustainability shifts. And then spring ready-to-wear was the big one because it was our big three-delivery collection. We showed it in September. And we definitely have had buyers that have, like... You know, furrowed their brow and said, "Well, wait. What about Old Mara Hoffman? Like, where's? What am I going to do about that?" And and so some have fallen off, and new ones have come. It's like been this very interesting, organic, again transition
3: of the right ones leave and the right ones come. And so, who's the Mara Hoffman woman now? Because I used to think she was definitely the festival goer. You know, in Prasenado at the right at, at the at the pool, and, and so I think she was, and I think.
4: Um, And I think that there's still this, um, there's still the same heartbeat within the collections. And that is one of joy. It's one of celebration. It's a love of color. It's a love of women and femininity um, through the design. But she's grown up now and she isn't necessarily going, maybe she. Is going to those festivals, but she's not like festival dressing. Um, we've put more intention into our solids, which has been really exciting for me to like think about design through solid color uh, more how I dress as opposed to just relying on print to continually tell the narrative of a collection that we can speak through texture and solid. She's maybe she's growing up, she's a little bit older. Um, as opposed to like just being in her twenties, she's definitely transitioned into her thirties, forties. Um, I think that there's just a refinement now to who we to the to the collection, and I our customer from before. There's a good portion that's growing with us. She's coming with us, and I welcome her, and I want her to come with us so much. And some again who have maybe aren't finding what they need out of us anymore, and then a new one that we're building and um, trying to show her, here's what we're doing, here's what we're putting out there, here's our, here's our
3: conversation now. And is longevity a cornerstone of that? Because if you're having solids, then obviously you're having pieces that can work season to season to season. So do you have a longevity strategy when you're designing? Absolutely, and I think that that part also comes back to
4: what our um, what our our statement is about around sustainability and what that actually means to us beyond the materials, beyond the manufacturing. It's a philosophy on wear and the idea of buying less and wearing it more and something that can be worn in different ways. And like you're saying, have that longevity speaks back to sustainability Uh, to not get tired of a piece after one season, but to invest in something that maybe it costs a little bit more, um, But you'll wear it for so much longer. I heard a great quote at a meeting I was with that uh, somebody had said, I don't know who it came from, but I can't afford to buy cheap clothing. Oh, that's Lucy Siegel. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) It resonates so deeply. And it's like, of course. And it also connects back to the way that I dress. Um, I wear the same things over and over. And I think it's about reshifting that idea of quote, uh, unquote, cool and this like showing up in fashion. And that if we could shift... That idea of being an influencer and influence through through wearing the same things and showing that you can have less and be creative with the items that you have. And there's something so appealing about that to me. It resonates with the way I exist, with the way my family dresses and it exists and lives our lives. So longevity is huge and it's
3: so women positive because it really it it, it expects that the woman who's wearing your clothes is letting her true woman stand out like Mm -hmm. the clothes aren't making the woman the woman is making the clothes totally okay let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back yes
1: This program is brought to you by Chef's Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chef's Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chef's Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters
3: And we're back. You're listening to Magnifico Radio and I'm your host Kate Black and I'm sitting today with Mara Hoffman and we're talking about women and fashion and now we're going to switch a little bit over and talk about feminism Um, because according to Clean Clothes Campaign about 75 million people worldwide work in the textile and apparel industry and three-fourths of them are women. So why do you think so many leaders have not yet made the connection that fashion is a feminist issue?
4: You know, it's such an interesting question, and I think it's really being raised right now. And we saw it on a very direct level through um, leading up to the election and, and voicing voicing our opinions through it in a, in a gentle and, I thought, inclusive and kind way. But uh, it's fascinating to see some of the feedback that you can get directly of, you know, I'm here for fashion, not politics. Um, I stick to what you know. We're not here to hear your political views on anything. Um, but we're women, and our, our lives are, are under question right now. Our bodies, um, our existence, our, our wages. So to think that, I think, simply put, if you're a woman, it's a political issue. So if you're a woman in fashion, I mean, how is how is it not? If you're a woman running a business, if you're a woman employing others, if you're a woman going to a job how is it not a political issue right now?
3: I agree. And I think, actually, it comes into this idea about ethical fashion for me, because I I think when we think about yes, it's really important to be sustainable and environmental, um, but you also, we need to kind of have an affinity with the person that we're letting dress us. Like, Mm. you need to kind of have this relationship with the the core of the person who is running the business from where you're buying your clothes, I feel. Um, And so you really put that on the map in this last um, fashion week in New York. Mm -hmm. You brought out the women, um, the co-chairs from the Women's March, mm-hmm. and and made this really kind of fashion, politic, marriage. Can you talk about how that came to be? Sure. Um, I think it's it's funny because
4: I've definitely felt a lot of like sensitivity and dis not discomfort, but questionable feelings around. Being in fashion when there are such heavy conversations happening and thinking, oh, my God, how do I, you know, how do I post a picture of a dress right now? Or how do I speak to a swimsuit during this crazy time? And it felt so frivolous. And I think a lot of us could feel that way. And then transitioning that thought to, well, how do I, how do I come into a place of empowerment from where I stand? And I have a voice and I have people that listen and they watch and I have young women that I have the potential to sincerely influence and to inspire. And so through this time, we've been, it was, again thinking about a fashion show and if anybody is listening like kind of knows about the fashion weeks anywhere there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people doing a lot of things and I really didn't want to just show up to like add to noise and I thought okay if I'm going to do this like let's do this in a at least, like, use the platform to, um, like, shake it up a little bit or or put something of substance and inspiration out there. Not to say that the collections, and like I was saying before, we're going through these evolutions, and I want to put that out there. I need people to see that. But I also want to be able to say, well, here's my platform. Like, let's celebrate more through that platform. And so here are these amazing women who just pulled off, um, like, the, the largest um, – Activation and human rights, really, in the history of the world um, and inspired so many women to to show up and take action and I felt it was an incredible time to to sort of bring them into my light and shine my light onto them just to keep the energy also going and keep their momentum going and keep women's momentum going of, okay, let's put them into every industry. Like this should be within every industry. That's a natural fit. Come into the fashion industry. We speak to women. We sell to women. We make for women. Um, And I think that these women Uh, the co-chairs really did something so
3: enormous that it how do you not celebrate them and it just and it worked it fit like it it it, some people would think okay well you can't bring activism onto the fashion runway but at the end of the day you can because fashion is a form of activism anyway Uh, absolutely
4: and I think that there's a way to do it and I think it is again like trying to come back to a place of inclusion and not alienating and saying, like, this wasn't an, an anti-Trump rally, you know? Uh, well, for whatever our um, intentions are, personally, it was, a, it was a celebration of strength and love and of women, and I think that it's hard to hate on that. Yeah.
3: And you have something launching in two days on International Women's Day. Can you we talk do. about this yes. project? Also very women positive. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we are launching
4: a portrait series of 26 women that uh, we shot last August. And it's an interesting thing because it was those same feelings leading up to September's Fashion Week. And we were in a different place in September. I think that a lot of us, as we can all like agree to, were within a bubble. And we know this. And we were thinking that um, things were probably going to be diff- different um, than they turned out. But the project that we put together in August was sort of like a contribution to women in roles of leadership, like a celebration of that. And so we asked... I partnered with an organization called Art Not War, which is a really incredible um, uh, group of women that put out, create, um, they produce for many nonprofits and so, uh, positive social change. And we came together and put a list of these women who are really uh, boots on the ground, activists, making change, using their voices for greater change. And we said, let's shoot them in the Spring 17 collection, and we'll do this in lieu of a show in September. So we, we did the portrait series. Incredible Women are part of it. I'm so excited to put this out into the world.
3: Can and you name a few? Sure, women? like
4: Ai-jen Poo, who um, works for domestic workers' rights, amazing. Um, Andrea Powell, who's phenomenal. Angelique Roche, Joan Jonas, um, Elise Hoag uh, from NARL. Um, who else?
3: So Celebrities in in the Movement. Yeah, Celebrities in the so Movement. So Celebrities in the Movement in Mara Hoffman's Spring 17 yes. clothing shot by Art Not War. The shot by
4: Amber Mahoney, a photographer, a, a female photographer that we really love, and produced by Art Not War. And we put this series together with the intention of launching it during Fashion Week in September. So before the election and... This was going to be our, you know, hip, hip, hooray, like women can do this. Um, And then it came along, Fashion Week came along, and we didn't find the right, it's funny because it was like it just didn't, like click to put it out yet and we said okay well maybe we hold this um and we put it out in march and we're still everyone's still under the impression i think that uh, we were gonna have a different outcome this is still september and so let's hold it for march like because we're gonna have to keep the momentum going you know let's hold this for women's month and then um the world flipped on its head and things happened the way they did, and we had this feeling of, oh, my gosh, like, it made sense. Like, we were never supposed to put this project out in September. We were supposed to hold it because this has to be part of, like, that continual drumbeat now of showing up, of saying, we are not done fighting. Like, we will continually, like, celebrate and put forward these these fighters and these these agents of change, these activists right now.
3: And it's... I mean, I commend you for that because I think that that's really important. But I think that the fact that it follows your fashion week um, show two mm-hmm. weeks ago or three weeks ago, it really kind of sets the the bar of where like female leaders and female entrepreneurs and you know she bosses can can really stand up and and use their platforms, whether it's fashion in, in your case or in other cases, and really kind of start to rally to support women and 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 the movement. Absolutely, yeah. The timing turned
4: out really interestingly. Uh, we're going going to be uh, launching a microsite on the 8th um, and uh, showing the work and hopefully getting the message out of these radical women in the cross-section of fashion and how they come together and what we can do and apl- share our voices,
3: like share our platforms. Yeah. Just like you're sharing yours, like we share our platforms. Okay. We're running out of time, so I have time for one more question. So what's your hope for this industry for the next five or ten years?
4: Um, I think a few things I think ultimately it's one of more kindness and less harm and I think that that kindness um, encompasses again making more shifts towards sustainability for all of us Um, kindness to the way that we speak to ourselves and the way we speak to women and our inclusion with that Um, and self love through it I think that I would hope to see it slow a little bit for the sake of the creatives behind the work and the designers, that there is a pace to this industry that is, feels almost impossible if you are a true creative to have to tap into this like place consistently over and over so quickly to produce more and more product that people don't need and we're just draining like the source. And so for me, it would be about slowing that down and coming to like a group realization that we need less. And that we could spend more time as artists and creatives thinking of more innovative ways to make clothing that are more thoughtful, made better, in more innovative materials and with more creative love in them. Um, And that that
3: that would be better than just having more things. That's amazing, and if there is anybody out here who's listening, who's maybe a designer or a female entrepreneur or running any sort of business and thinking about making a shift that that feels more aligned with their values or with you know the environmental um, best practices or even socio political best practices in their in their country or in their heart, what's your learning? What's the one one kind of nugget? Because I'm sure not every day is a happy day, and no. there is challenges along the way. But what's what's your kind of your boost of inspiration you can share? I think ultimately it's very simple in this fact that you can do
4: something. And it doesn't mean that like you can change everything that you do in a day or maybe ever. But you can do something and you can start small. You can start anywhere and that is something and I think that you have to like be again kind to yourself within those steps that you take and I'm continually reminded by of that by the people around me that say Maura like I get really hard on myself that I'm not doing enough like I get panicky that like we're not doing enough on this level I'm not doing enough I'm not doing enough for the movement I'm not saying like it's kind of intense and I would look at somebody else and I would say like be so much kinder to yourself be brave like just do it you you'll regret more not trying to do these things than you will like trying it and so you fall on your face and then you get back up and you're kind of even that much better the more you fall in a situation you're thicker you've learned you you get it more um I, i i'd say just start and and like tighten your fists and like go for it really it's <laughs> a course. course corny stay but it course. is stay the course yeah and, and be focused like I always say this like find a spot on that wall put your eyes on that and don't move your eyes it's like if anybody takes yoga and you want to stay in a balancing pose you find a spot and you focus on that and you can stay in balance and it's the same here it's like find it
3: and do not waver that's amazing advice. Okay, if people want to find out more about the spring collection, they go to... Go to my the, site. Come to my site,
4: marahoffman.com. Dot dot com,
3: and we'll be talking about
4: the um, portrait series. So tune in and we'll be talking about that on um, our um, on our site and on Instagram. I'm Mara Hoffman, um And come and find us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank Thank you you. so much. Really, thank you for doing what you do. I really, um, I'm honored to be here. And I feel like what an accomplishment just to be sitting across from you.
3: Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Um, I need to thank Heritage Radio Network, which is home of Magnifico Radio. You can find and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, kindly give us a rating. It helps us rank higher amongst conventional fashion podcasts and to push these conversations forward want to learn more about ethical fashion and other issues in the apparel industry visit magnifico.com we have a great story about mara hoffman today and check out hundreds of stories or sign up for our newsletter and if you have any feedback questions want to be a sponsor or recommend a guest please email me at radio at magnifico.com until next week